Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 15, and as McGee says, chapter 15 is one of the top 10 uh, chapters of all the great books of the Bible. It's talking about the resurrection of Christ. This is so important to uh, Christian faith because, um, as Paul makes the point so perfectly here, that if you don't have the resurrection of Christ, there's nothing to the faith. Um, you know, everything is in vain. You know, um, what you know matters is the resurrection. You know, and as McGee says, what saves you is not Christ's death on the cross. It's what saves you is Christ's resurrection. Now, of course, Christ's death on the cross, he's He's dying for your sins. That does. That's your salvation. But but if he's not raised from the dead, we still we're in trouble. So what's so glorious is his resurrection. Now a lot of people are saying that he wasn't resurrected from the dead. He but you don't have the completion of the gospel message without that. <clears throat> he could die for your sins to save you, but. If he's not raised, then how can he raise us? So we covered uh, chapter 15 verses, you know, uh, we were, we ended sort of around verse 9 in chapter 15. And just for completeness sake, I'm going to hit the high points of 1 through 9 again, just to keep this thought process going. He's talking about the gospel. He wants to remind us of the gospel message. And the resurrection of Christ is the gospel message. And that's what you that's what you receive. That's what you stand on. That's what saves you. That's what you hold fast on. That's what is preached. And that's what you believe in. Those are the, all the dimensions of the gospel. It's not anything that we do. It's something that we receive from others. We receive it from Christ. We receive this good news from one another. But it's nothing that we generate ourselves. McGee told a story, and I guess I'll tell it really quickly. You know, sort of the uh, an analogy, sort of a metaphor, maybe an example of what the gospel message is compared to other religions. Suppose you have a friend, or or two different friends, and one friend comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know what?" Um. 
I've got some really good news for you. Um, I've got a way for you to earn a million dollars. And here's the plan. And I want you to work really hard for the rest of your life. For years and years and years to earn this million dollars. Um, and the way the McGee told it, he said, I want you to work a thousand years to earn a million dollars. But either way, here's the plan to earn a million dollars. You have to work to earn it. Okay? That might be sacrifice. That may be blood, sweat, and tears. Who knows what it means? Now, let's say you have another friend. And this other friend comes up and says, hey, you know what? Um, you've got a, a friend out there who loves you very much. And he uh, wanted you to have this gift. It's an inheritance. And he's given you a million dollars. He's given it to you. And um, it's yours. <clears throat> All you have to do is take it and accept it. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. Now, which gift means more to you? Well, it seems like the one who's given it to you. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift. And it's a gift out of love. The other one was kind of, you know, yeah, I've heard that one before. I have to work for something. <clears throat> and that's the gospel message of Christ. It's a free gift of eternal life for those who would just receive it. That's it. You don't have to pray four or five times a day. You don't have to do a pilgrimage. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive the gift. <clears throat> so, the resurrection of Christ is this gospel message. 1 Corinthians 15. And then he talks about, in verse 3 through 9, all these people who saw Christ raised from the dead. This is game changer. Christ raised from the dead. He died, and he was buried, and he was raised, and it was according to Scripture. <clears throat> and then he appeared to Peter, Cepheus, and then the twelve, and then five hundred people saw him, and then the James, and then to the apostles, and then to Paul. And Paul says he's the least apostle. Look at the humility that he says. Then verse 10, by the grace of God I am what I am, and by his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, I'm a sinner, but God has saved me. I am what I am. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Okay, so Paul's saying, look, I worked really, really hard, but it wasn't because of himself. It was just because of God's grace, God working in him, that he was able to work. He gives God the credit for everything. He's working, but he's working to spread the gospel. But the gospel is a free gift. Verse 12, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection from the dead? In other words, if we say you believe in Christ raised from the dead, how come you can't believe your own self will be raised from the dead? Otherwise, you know, you're just like the, um, the stoicisms, you know, who say, you know what? Um, the soul is merged into something else. There's no bodily raised from the dead. The Epicureans say... 
Um, they're more materialistic. There's no existence beyond this teaching. You know, there's no raised from the dead. And the plate, Platonism is that um, just sort of immortality of the soul, but has nothing to do with the body. You can't believe in Christ being raised without believing in yourself being raised. Verse 13, but if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So in other words, if you don't believe in some type of resurrection from the dead, how can you believe Christ was raised? And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. The whole thing falls apart if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, we're just out of our minds wasting our time on something that isn't true if you don't believe Christ has been raised from the dead. And then verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, we've seen it. We can testify to it. We're telling you, Christ has been raised from the dead. And because of that, you have hope. You have hope because the one who's supposed to raise you from the dead has been raised himself from the dead. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, now he's sort of comparing Christ to Adam. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ all, made al all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. Then he says, Christ, the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Okay. So Christ is like the first fruit, and then those who belong to Christ when Christ comes back. Verse 24. Then comes to the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when he destroys that, everybody's raised from the dead. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjected in subjection under him when all things are subjected to him then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjected subjection under him that god may be all in all in other words when christ comes back He's going to deliver the kingdom back to God and all of us. And then he'll himself be subjected to God also. So that then he'll take his place with God and God will be God all in all. So, so he will then have, have had done his, you know, 
job here on earth to defeat death on earth, and then he will go back to the Father from where he came. Otherwise, verse 29, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead aren't raised at all, why are people being baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? In other words, if, if the dead aren't raised, how come Christians are being persecuted all the time? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead aren't raised, let us eat drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right. Don't go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. You say you're Christians, but you don't act like it. You know? I say this to your shame. Don't be deceived. If you hang around with the wrong people, you're going to act the wrong way. Keep your mind and your hearts on Christ. He's resurrected from the dead. And you've... Why deny His gospel gift? That's that's eternal life. But some will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Paul says, verse 36, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. That's how it's raised. you got to die first to be raised. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. In other words, you, it's like a seed. You have to plant the seed in the ground before it sprouts life. He's given another analogy to being resurrected from the dead, like planting a seed in the ground. The seed dies, you put it in the ground, just like the body dies, you put it in the ground to bury it. But from forth the seed comes new life, just like when we're died and put in the ground comes forth new life. But God gives it a body as He's chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans and another for animals and another for birds and another for fish. So I'm assuming here that everything's going to be raised back up. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is Sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. I'm going to read on a little bit because I I think McGee stops at verse 44, but I'm just going to complete this thought. Thus it is written, verse 45, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He's talking about Adam and Christ now again. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. In other words, Adam, 
comes before Christ. The first man was from the earth. That's the first man was from Adam, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. That's Christ. And, excuse me, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's all of us humans from Adam. And as is the man of heaven, that's Christ, so are those who are of heaven. These are Christians. Just as we have been born, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. In other words, as we are raised from the dead in our new bodies, our new life, our resurrected body will bear a likeness to the man of heaven. He's talking about Christ. So, wow. Big, big chapter here. We're still in it. We'll finish this, I believe, tomorrow. So, as for me to all of you, as always, keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll study 1 Corinthians again tomorrow as we take this up again. So now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to your study on this wonderful study today. And as always, from, um, um, for me to all of you, keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you next time tomorrow. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to verse 44. So in this chapter, we have seen part of the gospel. So Paul has stated that Christ died, he was buried, so he didn't disappear, he was actually buried. There was a sepulchre for him, and his body was placed in a tomb. He rose again, and... Jesus Christ today lives. He's at the right hand of the Father. So we have a living God. And these are the historical facts. So the gospel is not theories or a religion or, you know, an ideal. The resurrection is part of the gospel. And this is what Paul preached. So this was the experience of the Corinthians. The gospel is objective experience is subjective so he said that's Paul you have received it what does it actually mean to receive the gospel to receive Christ so in John chapter 1 verse 11 and 12 it reads just turn to John 1, John 1, John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 reads, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So to receive Christ means here to actually believe on his name. That's what it means to actually receive Christ. So in verse 1 of our study today, that's 
1 Corinthians 15, it reads, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand. So they believed in the name of Christ. So, you know, here it says, in which you stand. So they received and they stand in the gospel. So this is the present state. And, you know, we should ask ourselves today, where do we stand today with Christ? Are we standing in a living faith and a living Savior? Where do you stand? Verse 2 goes on to read, By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you be, unless you believed in vain. So the gospel does not save in the sense that it's just, you know, a head nodding um, knowledge to these facts or, you know, like, a, you know, where people say, oh, I got moved and all because, you know, the words and the song and things like that. Christ actually saves. It's through the gospel by means of these facts. If we actually accept these facts and if we accept them and then we receive Christ and then we are saved. So our faith should rest upon Jesus Christ and not just, you know, ideas and facts. It should rest. We should believe in a living Christ. So it's who you believe. That's what's important. The fact is that they are saved because they have trusted in a Savior who died and rose again. Scripture goes on to read... For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So Paul actually also received the very gospel that he's actually given. Verse 4 goes on to read, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Uh, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So he says there is some witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and also there is the fulfillment of scripture. So the resurrection gives purpose. It gives a direction to life. You know, that we have that hope that, you know, um, the dead in Christ will rise again. And, you know, upon the coming of Christ during the rapture, those who still be alive, the saints, will be taken out to meet Christ. So it gives us that hope. So, you know, if you're a Christian and you lose a loved one, we lost mom, and... She had faith, and I am hopeful I will see her again because she she was a saint. You know, I will see her again, and that's why I believe in the resurrection. So there are so many passages that actually teach the resurrection of Christ in the Old Testament. So the mosaic sacrificial system, that is the death of the animal and the blood and the great day of atonement, 
when the two goats are delivered for our offenses. So the other is for our justification, that's our righteousness. And also in the ark, there was Aaron's rod that budded. You know, it represents life. And then we have the book of Jonah that actually teaches resurrection. And the Old Testament closes. He will uh, find Elijah before the great day. That's, um, yeah, he will actually use Elijah before the great day. So all these are examples of scripture that's looking at the resurrection. So we get down to verse 7, and verse 7 reads, After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. So then we have the witnesses here. Let's see first the 12 and the 500. I mean, the 500, you know, should have been maybe in Galilee, where he actually asked them to meet him. So James, all the apostles, then Paul... And verse 8 reads, Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. So here, Paul is saying he was born out of due time, out of due season. So he is a picture. Paul here is a picture of the remnant that will be saved after the church is removed. So Paul says, so we preached, so you believed. So Paul is preaching to the Corinthians the gospel, and some believed. Verse 9 goes on to read, For I am the last of the apostles who... Of the la- sorry, let me just read that again. For I am the last of the apostles, the least, sorry, of the apostles who am I, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul is very modest here. And this statement actually came from his heart. He's being very um, humble and very modest. So Paul considered himself a chief sinner because he persecuted the church. And the statement is not really true. Paul was amongst, you know, one of the greatest writers and apostles. But he saw himself as, you know, the least. Verse 10 goes on to read, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So Paul apparently was actually the hardest worker amongst all the apostles. And he started... He stated, actually, this. It was not only his hard work at all, it was God's grace that actually enabled him to do it. So he's giving all glory to God. Verse 11 goes on to read, Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So this is the gospel that Paul's preaching. And he's preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So one can't be a Christian and deny the fact of the gospel. You know, one can say, oh yes, I believe, but uh, not about the resurrection. But the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. 
say we tweet and say use me verse 10 stated verse 12 goes on to read now if christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead so some of these people with the background of uh, stoicism in that day epicurean Epicurean, sorry, yes, uh, these philosophies and Platonism. These people were actually denying the resurrection because, you know, these philosophies, Stoicism, Epicurean, they did not believe in the resurrection. So Paul here has a series of ifs. That's what we'll have. He will start asking the ifs. So it's on the basis of the resurrection of Christ. These are the ifs. That's what he's asking on the base on this basis. That Paul actually will say he's the first fruit, meaning Christ is the first fruit, and we will have a Pentecost later in scripture. So this will be when he actually comes. So the church began on Pentecost, and when he and when it leaves this earth, it's Pentecost again. So he's the first fruit. Christ and afterwards no other Christ is coming verse 14 goes on to read and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty um so if Christ is not bodily raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. That's what Paul is saying. And our faith has also been in vain. That um, if Christ was not bodily raised, but he was bodily raised because they were witnesses. Verse 15 goes on to read, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom... He did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. So this would actually mean that these men were liars. And if there is no resurrection, Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, then these men were actually false witnesses. So men actually die for what or who they actually believe in. They actually stand by that. So men don't die for what they know is a lie and these men the apostles they died for what they believed in they died for the truth and their beliefs verse 16 goes on to read for if the dead do not rise then christ is not risen verse 17 and if christ is not risen your faith is futile you are still in your sins so then we actually are all hell doomed sinners if this didn't happen, this would, you know, other philosophies are actually insinuating. Like, you know, we don't have that purpose and hope. We just walk about here with no purpose at all. Okay, verse 19. Goes on to read. Um, so, let me just finish up verse. Yeah, let me drop down to verse 19, yeah. Verse 19, actually verse 18, rather, sorry. It reads, Then also those who 
have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So then there's no hope. So all these millions of people in the past just perished just like that. Some people tend to believe, you know, like, you know, death is the end of everything. But I don't. I believe in the resurrection. I believe one day, you know, that's the purpose that we're here. I believe one day we will get to see all the saints who died. Verse 19 goes on to read, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable. So Christianity is here and now. It's actually a here and now religion. And Paul makes this very clear in Romans 5. And it's also here in verse 17. And verse 17, let me just read verse 17 again. It says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And we're not in our sins. So this also ends the ifs so we should face it we should be logical in our ifing about this matter and the only alternative is the resurrection of christ so it's the only logical position to actually take that christ is risen from the dead because i i'm living for a purpose and that's to actually have eternal life and um, live in God's kingdom for eternity. Because he's promised me eternity, a life of peace and no suffering. And I look forward to that. Verse 20 goes on to read, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Christ is the first fruits. So the feast of the first fruit. Uh, was fulfilled in the resurrection of Christ. And so then 50 days later, Pentecost actually came along, and that was the genesis of the church. So Christ is back from the dead in a glorified body. So in view of this, we are waiting for Pentecost. So verse 21 goes on to read, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Dead. So by man came death. So this is Adam. And then um, by man came the resurrection of the dead. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22 goes on to read. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So this is a proof we are in the family of Adam. We all die. And we are going to um, die. All of us at one point. So it, the Lord actually tarries. So all that are in Christ will be made alive. So if you believe in Christ and have faith in Christ and all, you'll be made alive. Your sins are aside and because right now we're all just held in sinners we're just gonna die if you don't believe in Christ you know you're that's it verse 23 goes on to read 
but each one in his own order christ the first fruit afterwards those who are christ's at his coming so there is no general resurrection day at all so the reformers recovered a great deal of the bible back then of the bible truth but they actually did, never did discover it all so we don't have a general resurrection day so in times when great truths are actually being developed there is a great deal of heresy and crazy things being said about the person of christ that is actually false and that's what happened you know when the reformers were actually recovering the word of god so prophecy is being developed these days and it needs to be developed carefully so christ is coming for this church and or for his church and they you know there's been lots of cults that have pointed out oh hey um the world's coming to an end at this particular point and this is when the rapture is going to happen but we do not have a general resurrection day that hasn't been given okay verse 24 goes on to read then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to god the father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power so this is the end of the age the age will end when the great tribulation comes then there will be a millennial kingdom on earth and satan will be released again and you know there'll be one final rebellion and then jesus christ will come to the earth to establish his kingdom forever the eternal kingdom so this is a projection in a way of the millennial kingdom only that the millennial kingdom is a time of trial during the great tribulation verse 25 goes on to read for he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet so this his enemy is satan verse 26 <coughs> goes on to read the last enemy that will be destroyed is death yep that enemy gotta be gotten rid of there'll be no more pain no more heartbreak verse 27 going to read for he has put all things under his feet but when he says all things are put under him it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted Verse 28, now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So when he actually completes the millennial, that's Christ, the millennial reign here on earth, and then when he actually established the eternal reign, he will turn it over to david down here obviously and the saints of the church uh, that we may actually rule by proxy or not in the eternal reign but maybe it will be turned over to david yeah it's a maybe and then he returns back to his place in the godhead where he was at the beginning that God might be all in all. 
verse 29 goes on to read otherwise what will be sorry otherwise what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all why then are they baptized for the dead so baptism here like we said in the beginning it means identification and this is not what but this is not actually water baptism he's actually talking about is the baptism of the holy spirit so paul here is using the word baptize in a different way so identification verse 30 goes on to read and why do we stand in Je- in jeopardy every hour verse 31 i affirm by the boasting in you which i have in christ jesus our lord i die daily so paul says that if christ be not raised from the dead and now that he's raised from the dead we were identified with him that's in romans 5 so baptized into his death we have been raised in newness of life and we are baptized into a living christ today so we know him no longer after the flesh we are joined to a living christ if now that's not true and we are not baptized or identified to him that is identified with him then we are foolish that's what paul's saying to have made the sacrifices that we have made down here and stand in jeopardy as actually paul says i die daily so he is paul was in danger of death constantly in his time like people were forced to kill him for his belief and his preaching verse 32 goes on to read if in the manner of men i have fought with beasts at ephesus what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die so he's saying that why should he be part so why should he be put in a lion's cage if christ didn't rise you know why should he be persecuted as he was persecuted if christ didn't rise from the dead so he's identified his baptized into christ's death so we're joined to christ in death and in life so he's identified as a dead man because he joined because he's joined we are joined to a living christ that's what he's talking about so he's saying the reason he's identified as a dead man is because of this so if christ is not risen we can adopt the you know heathenistic philosophy of epicureans and say eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die and that's the end that's what the epicureans believed in verse 33 actually the epicureans believed in like the now live for now verse 33 goes on to read do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits so when one actually gets the wrong information you're gonna actually act wrong so it's important to get the right information here we have the bible scripture being taught verse if you're not sure question research read verse 30 that's why it's important to actually 
meditate and read the word of God every day. Verse 34 goes on to read. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Verse 36. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. So what is the resurrection? The question is how? So, you know, when we plant a seed, the example given here, when you plant a seed, you, you know, you, you sow a seed. That seed has to die in order for it to actually germinate and grow. Verse 37 goes on to read. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. So you actually sow seed in the ground. The seed dies and then at the top, the little seed, just like it, multiplies itself. So the body is sown as, um, and it will be raised like this in newness of life. That's the example that Paul's giving us here. Verse 39 goes on to read, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animal, another fish, another of birds. Verse 40 goes on to read, There also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial terrestrial is another verse 41 there is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differs from another star in glory so paul he knew that all there were that all these things sorry were different so one star differs from another star in glory. So, you know, he's moved from botanics to um, astronomy and, and, bot- you know, um, and biology. Verse 42 goes on to read. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. So it's actually sown a collapsible body and it will be risen um, a body that's incorruptible. That's what's going to happen. That's the resurrection. Verse 43 goes on to read, It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Verse 44, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So two words here are very important. Body and spiritual. So the kind of body we have today is a natural body. You know, it has all these ailments and all. It's not perfect. But that which is to be raised is a spiritual body. So it's going to be a body. That's what's actually important. But it's a different kind of body. 
in the sense that it will not be a corruptible, feeble body. It will be raised in power, glory, and in corruption. Okay, so this is where we end our study for today. It's been a great journey. Um, you know, we've talked so much about resurrection, and you know that resurrection is the hope of, um, you know, that blessed hope that we actually look forward to, because we are identified with Christ both in death and in life. In life, you know, we're identified with His death, and we're identified with His uh, resurrection. And scripture has so many examples of resurrection. And I do believe in resurrection. And one day, one day, sweet Jesus, we will get to see our loved ones in glory. And, you know, we will all die and we'll be raised in an incorruptible body and not these feeble bodies that we currently have. Okay, so this is our teaching for today. Thank you all so much for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant, pleasant day. Bye-bye.